One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. Hello, Chris Evans here to thank you for listening to my podcast. Featuring this week, Loose Women Stacey Solomon talking about her fabulous new book, TV Doctor Rangan Chatterjee talking stress busting and Oscar winner Rachel Shenton. Plus Formula One chat with Nico Rosberg, Sky Sports F1 commentator, the irrepressible David Croft. All of that and more on the way. Enjoy, my friends. Enjoy. So with us this morning, we have the wonderful Fern Britton. We have the amazing Sally Lindsay. We have Mary Potter, Rachel Horn, all the uh, girls who work on the show. It is International Women's Day. How's it going so far, Mary, do you think? I think it's going really well. We've just done well. a bit of business, haven't we? We've done a bit of business. Like women do, we just got numbers. That's, That's how we so do it. true. Women, yeah. when they get together, there's this kind of... This, the, the ego isn't there, is it? No. It's just a little open conversation, and that's the way it should <laughs> just be. sneakily said, little... Fern, has your book been optioned? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great old deal. Yeah. What, you did that, or you did that? We've just done it. I did it. Because I know they're both right, so I want to option the book. So we've just got numbers. But Fern is brilliant at writing. So this one as well. It's come to you late, though, hasn't it? Fern. Yes, no, not yeah. really. If you've done eight books, well, it well, started when I was fifty-two. Okay, oh, right. that's late enough. Yeah, yeah. I still um, think <laughs> but you, does it, you obviously don't find it that difficult. Oh, I do. It is difficult. Believe me, it's difficult. I'd rather be in a live studio any time than sitting on my own in an office trying to write the story. But uh, some days are easier than others. But it's, it's. I'm loving it and I don't write stuff that... I, I mean, I appreciate that people won't be studying me for A-level, but it's a story that know. takes people right out of their lives. And I write very short chapters because for women like me, you're lying in bed reading to go to sleep and you think, oh... 52 pages for the next chapter so I write nice short yeah. chapters just enough to have a kip and it, it it's pure escapism and it's always about people like us real stuff isn't it great that we are now living in a time mm. where we can keep working mm. and actually age is starting to become less of a factor yeah. on what you do it's like, you know, isn't it brilliant that who <laughs> thought that well at any minute just... now I'm 62 and I keep thinking oh, she's I'm looking what? good isn't she looking good. I no way <laughs> he was asleep at that stage, but thanks. No, I'm, I'm enchanted and captivated. But I don't know what you're supposed, women are supposed to look like anymore because well, now everybody looks exactly the same as they did the last time I, I saw know. them. I know. Because so it, everybody just dresses the same. and is, You know, back in the day, you got to 35, you put your insult on pearls on, didn't you? And now everybody just looks so the true. same. So, and the same for blokes, you know, back in the yeah. 50s. My dad always wore a tie apart from Sundays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, totally. If he went to the pub on a Sunday, he'd probably wear a tie then as well. Yeah. And then he started to wear a hat at a certain age. So, so your clothes did age you and you were happy to be aged by your clothes yes. but no longer and yeah. the running thing I'm, uh, your run fest does sound really interesting come in, do you come? Only, yes I would love to because I've only just uh, I'm starting on my couch to 10k now I managed 5k well we have a little running club with the with the actors and actresses in the company and um, so we go out between shows and have a little run and we've we've gone from like okay 
we've got to actually run for two minutes now and then walk yeah. for five to now, you know, being able to run the whole thing. I've done four park runs on Saturday morning. Congratulations. To terrific. And my runners with me, my mates, they're in their 30s, 40s, 20s. Yeah. I've got 20 years on them. Um, and they always look after me. I'm right at the back. It doesn't matter. But they always go, no, we, we stay together, we come together, and we go home together. And well, that's the thing about just, running. Even though you're red-faced and, and panting. Nobody knows what you do or who you no. are. It's a real leveller. And there's, no. sh- there's, the, there's the mutual respect. That, that That's why I love running so much, and sport generally, if it's accessible. There's the mutual respect that we need in every other aspect of life that's there for that. It's like it's a feeding pool for that. Mm. And if you get your kids into park runs on Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings, it's just Good for the world. See, I think we yeah. should do a national sports day where everybody Ooh. does something. A, a, a holiday day where it's about fitness. Like and a world book day, but yeah, for sport. For yeah. sport. And, and, and you say, you go in the pub and you go, get your backside out. It's meant to be sport. You're meant to be doing something. You know, I love the idea of that. You, you were talking about age and how, you know, our parents used to dress. My dad used to teach us to run. Like, and he said, I'll race you around the block. And like, in his forties, going, I'll go, I'll beat you with my three brothers. But he'd be wearing his shoes. There was no such thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember trainers in the seventies. It was plimsolls. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, back to the, back to this book. Yeah. You should read this book, Shoe Dog, Phil Knight's story. It's amazing. It, he said in the sixties because he was a runner. Yeah. And he just didn't think the running shoes were good. Yeah. So he started to make his own, and that's how Nike came yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still around. He's still around. Book. Yeah. Uh, but the age thing. Let's talk about the age thing briefly. Yeah. <clears throat> um, the thing about age, we invented it. We invented age. Yes. So you don't, you, you know, you don't have to go by age. You know, maybe, maybe that's, maybe this is a a thing that's become um, obsolete. You know, the, the the timing of your life by chronology. Yeah. It could be by experience. It could be by usefulness. It could be by wisdom. It could be by uh, your, your circumstances. It doesn't have Change to be. Change the concept. I, I mean... No offence to calendar girls, um, but uh, you know maybe maybe we're over time and ageing. You know, purely I, I, from a number of days' point of view. I, I think there is a, a whole move towards. I still think uh, on International Women's Day, I still think there is a big thing around women and age mm. compared to men. Like we were just talking earlier on, like you know, you're in your fifties. I'm in my fifties, late fifties. I'm in now. No way. And, yeah, that better, listen, that that baby, was that was so good. <laughs> but you know, I've got a six-year-old son, and you kind of see some people going, "Oh," but whereas guys who have children later, it's kind of still acceptable so there's yeah. still this thing that well, we need to break and the only question. way we can break it is by talking out and going do you know it's okay it's okay <clears> to be 62 <throat> and dancing when those guys were playing and out there and just doing what you like weirdly in my Who's industry the rules on this you, stuff? you you know especially some casting directors not all of them yeah. I mean, most ones that use me are great but there's some that say you know i've had notes back saying i'm afraid she's too old yeah you know to even go for the reading because i've got a 12 year old son and you went well i've got eight year old twins i had them at 37 and in my industry that's relatively young it's the same thing with diversity actually show who's on the tube and who's having the kids and mm. you know who just, who we are as, a, as to what old, we think we are older women as well on tv you know like well, the fact we're, say, I, I hate the word older and well, i hate the word old right. well, no well, no offense to you but what do you say then no what, no, 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 no. Experience. i'm just saying experience no no <laughs> but i mean that sounds but posh but, but it, it, it's not it's it's we all, we're human beings that have experience that are prepared to more qualified to be a human being not less yes exactly if you're an old car, you're less qualified to be a useful car. Yes. If you're an older person, you're more qualified to be a useful person. Yeah, I yeah. 
want to be younger, though. If someone said to me, you know, could no, you? I wouldn't choose to be You've younger You've got to go again. back to school. None yeah. of that oh, nonsense. It takes longer to go to school than to be again. a rocket scientist. Oh, it's like when you do your kids' homework and, I'm just, and, I, just, and I say to them halfway through, going, I've done my homework, I can't do this yeah, anymore. Exactly. Get rid of straight now. Go and write another blockbusting thing or whatever it may be. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky, the best entertainment all in one place on Virgin Radio. We now have a very special guest in the studio and we couldn't be more happy to have him here. He's been on our show many times and we absolutely love him. Rachel, over to you. The man with a career spanning over 40 years from Visage and Thin Lizzy to Ultravox and Band-Aid has a chock-a-block year ahead. Here to tell us about his upcoming tour, songs, questions and answers, it's Scottish music legend Midjur. Morning, Midge. Good morning, chaps. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. <laughs> so, Midge, uh, it's, this is a, a, a lovely idea. Um, I think Texas did something similar a couple of years ago. So you're playing songs and you have a QA. and a It's a bit of a talking tour and a singing tour. It's a, it's a night with you, isn't it? That's what it kind is. Kind of, yes. Yeah, kind of an intimate evening, you know. So the, the, the stupid thing is that I, I did this 25 years ago, uh, totally alone, stand on stage with acoustic guitar and take questions from the audience. Uh, and it was, it was great. It's informal. You've got no idea what you're going to play besides maybe the first two songs mm. uh, because people talk, ask questions and that takes you off in little tangents and that's, that spurns an idea of, oh, well, there's a song that went along with that particular question. So you can't really, uh, you can't really gauge what is gonna, what's going to happen. It's usually quite interesting. The big problem I had 25 years ago was normally when you go on stage, you have a set list and that set list, you can work out mentally roughly how long it's going to take to get through that. When you don't have a set list, you know, they're flashing the lights at the end of the show and so because you've got no idea how long you've been on. Yeah, yeah. You know, these days I can set my watch and it'll vibrate or something. But uh, but yeah, it's it's one of those things, it's the white of your eyes, you go out there, you take the questions, you do the thing. It's all done via you know, tablets and pads and phones and stuff these days. With the idea that someone can, you know, either text a question in or or send you know, write on a piece of paper on a card or whatever at the at the break, it means that I don't get the the guy's going, well, that B-side you did in 1981, <laughs> you know, which synthesizer was it used for the bass, you know? Twice. How many questions do you get about Live Aid? I think it'll be up there because it's uh, people are interested in it. It's now a piece of social history as much as musical history. So, And they are re-interested in it because of this film Bohemian Rhapsody, which culminates at Live Aid. And now you haven't seen it yet. No. Tell us why, because this is funny. It's not funny. It's it is just funny. It's, I'm protecting myself. It's funny. See, what it's if funny. I what if I go and this see it because because it's of funny. the okay because <laughs> of the connection you know with the live aid thing. What if I see it and I think it's dreadful? Right. But saying that, the clips that I've seen. You know, because I'm quite an honest character. If I thought it wasn't very good, I have to say it, yes. and then of course I'd be pilloried. So because it's Freddie, of course. So uh, you know, the clips I've seen of Live Aid are uncannily accurate because not many people saw it from that viewpoint, from standing on stage. I did, and it's unbelievably close. And I've got no idea how they did it. The reason I find what you said funny is because I thought the same thing. And then I went to see the Super Vet live on tour, Noah right. Fitzpatrick, yep. who's a very good friend of Brian Mays, right? <laughs> and we've worked, Brian and I, have, you know, we've done things together in the past. And um, he was at the thing backstage and he says, uh, hi, Chris. I said, uh, hi, Brian. He said, what do you think of the film? I said, I haven't seen it. He said, I thought you were a lifelong Queen fan, like we're your favourite band of all time, um, you know, up there with the Beatles and ELO. I said, no, you are. Well, why haven't you seen the film? I said, I'm scared in case I don't like it. Yes. And I just, I just told, I said, I've got to tell you the truth. Yeah. You know, I, I was so excited about it coming out and I was so going on the first day. And then I went, thought, 
I can't go. Because you have to see what you think, and it's it, well. It wasn't so much that it wasn't what it wasn't. It wasn't what I was going to say after it. It's just I didn't want it to not be any good, and yeah. I thought mm, you like a penalty shootout. Yes. Between your favorite. Anyway, so then I did see it uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it is absolutely brilliant. Uh, well, maybe brilliant. I maybe I have to see it, and it's warts and all. Uh, you know, it's Freddie at his best and his absolute worst, and it's all on the screen. That was the only time I met Freddie was at at backstage at Live Aid because the backstage area was actually Wembley Arena because there were so many artists they had nowhere to put them all yeah. so they'd ferry you back and forth what a day and at the end of the, the, the concert I, I was walking down the corridor and without a word of a lie there's Freddie perched on the edge of a pink fountain I've no idea where it came from but I'm not fantasising he was there <laughs> And he calls me over, darling, 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 come over. And he shakes hands and he's uh, chatting and chatting and chatting. Two or three minutes into this conversation, he's still holding my hand. And he said, you're that darling boy from the Boomtown Rats, aren't you? And I said, no, I'm the darling boy from Ultravox, Freddy. And he went, oh, yes, of course. How could he mistake you for Bob Geldof? That's quite incredible. Yeah, that's what's sad. I was insulted. How long was it from the moment that you and Bob came up with the idea for Live to, to the concert itself? How many weeks, days? Was uh, there was something like three months. Three months. Uh, we had done Band-Aid, and three months after Band-Aid, uh, Bob walked into the myriad of meetings. We had meetings that went on for hours every single day about how we distribute the Bob money was and stuff. speaking and because Bob was speaking of <laughs> course yeah uh, and, and we were trying to get a word in ages three weeks three months it took and uh, he came in one day and said right we, we need to break this trucking cartel in Africa we haven't got the money to do it so I've come up with this idea and he held up a piece of paper that had a drawing of the earth and a knife and fork either side of it and uh, we said that's lovely Bob what is it and he said, I'll get this idea live in. And that was it. So it took three months from that moment to put all the artists together, uh, to you know, get, the, get the, the stadium, you know, put the whole thing. It's, it's a huge task. It was very handy that we had you know, Michael Grade on the, on the Band-Aid Trust, who was the head of the BBC at the time, who gave us five hours. All the stars were aligned, weren't they? They were. You the couldn't do it. You could it's do one it. of those odd things. Yeah. It was, it's brilliant. And, and just to watch it back via that, you just think, oh, God, because I remember where I was, I remember what I was doing, all that kind of stuff. Uh, these are the kind of stories you can have if you come in, along to your exactly. show. Okay, that is Midge or and we love him. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He's gone from hurtling around the world's most famous race courses in Formula One to championing green energy by launching the upcoming Green Tech Festival in Berlin. Please welcome F1 champion Nico Rosberg. Good morning, Nico. Good morning. Thanks for having me here. Thanks for coming. We can't believe you're here. Actual <laughs> Nico Rosberg. This is so cool. And of course, you've been with Sky now for this is your second year as part of the part of the gang. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's it's nice to stay connected to to F1, and I'm looking forward to the season starting. It's going to be, I think, very very exciting. Uh, in the testing, Ferrari seemed to be ahead of Mercedes. So it's not going to be an easy season for Mercedes as well. And it's going to be so good to see how, how things get going. So you are one of three ex-world champs that Sky has as part of their coverage team. So you have yourself, Jensen Button and Damon Hill. Now you go to, you say you go to nine or ten races out of the 21. Do you get to pick or do you have to have fisticuffs with these two guys? There's a bit of fisticuffs, yeah, but, uh, okay. but I, I, can get, uh, I can get my opinion in and they'll listen and try and accommodate. So how it's, it's pick, nice of them. How do you pick where you want to go? 
well, first of all, distance. Yeah, I don't, I don't like to travel too much during yeah. the year, so I try and keep it within Europe and and not too many overseas. And then there's really those highlight races. Yeah, we know the nice ones. I mean, it's uh, it's Monaco, uh, Montreal, places like that, which are just the the best races to go to. Okay, uh, let's just cover this. I know you've talked about it before, but people listening to the show may not have heard the story. So, so you win the championship in 2016, and you almost immediately announce your retirement. One of the coolest decisions I have ever come across. Mm. None of us mm. could see it come in, and we thought. Actually, that's genius. Would you have retired had you not won the championship? I didn't see it coming myself, to be honest. So there we go. Really? <laughs> um, no, I definitely would not have retired because my goal was to be world champion. And yeah. I would have continued probably for a long time <laughs> if, I, if I wouldn't have won it that year. Packing away. Yeah. What a decision. And how's it been since then? Um, well, now it's uh, almost two, I don't know, two and a half years afterwards. And, and I can say that it was a beautiful decision for me personally. Yeah, mm. because just going out on the top like that after having achieved my dream is just, it's so, such a nice feeling. And it still remains with me, with me now. Uh, that emotion still carrying me now through life. So it's really awesome. Very and lucky. It's funny. I remember the first time you were part of Sky's coverage, um, the, the following season. And you just, you couldn't stop smiling. Like you had made the best decision in the world. <laughs> and when you make it a good decision, they always say, you know, a good decision is a good decision because every moment after you've made it it gets better and better and better and look at you now you're still smiling aren't you <laughs> you think no that was it I did it that was perfect okay so Formula E you're very much involved in Formula E I love Formula E Are you? At, it says here you're a shareholder how, how did that pan out how long have you been a shareholder for um, I got the opportunity to invest two years ago so and, uh, and I went right in because I really believed in it because the whole world is going electric, yeah? And this is like the pinnacle of electric mobility. So I'm sure it's going to have success. And I'm, I'm proven right now as well. Uh, Mercedes is coming in, Porsche, Audi, BMW. It's amazing, the manufacturers that are in there. And, and it's just going to add to the excitement. So it's really going well. And there, I love the racing because it's, it's really tight. It's really exciting, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Have I mean, you had to go? Uh, I actually um, showcased the new generation 2 car last year in Berlin. I was the first guy to drive it on the track and that was a great experience. It was really nice and I was very happy to be able to support in that sense as well. And the racing, as you say, has been so cool. Like last race in Mexico, it, the lead changed 30 meters before the finish line, yeah, yeah. like in an explosive move. And it's just stuff you never see normally, yeah? So it's see, really cool. It's funny, because as it's been going on over the last few years, the Formula, you can see from one season to another, as you look around the track, you look at the hospitality, okay? Is there more hospitality? Is it more luxurious? Are there more crowds? Are they spending more on it? And they're investing more and more on the venues, which means it is definitely working. Yeah, you can see the, 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 the kind of people that are coming as well, the brands, it's all adding up and it's really, um, it's really going strongly. Of course, it's not at Formula One level yet, still far off that. It doesn't need um, to be though, does it? You don't have to compare the two, do you, really? Yeah, you're right. That's the way, that's the way one should look at it, yeah. yeah. Uh, briefly, on, on the subject of, of cars, let's talk about the Geneva Motor Show, which yes, you, you're awesome. literally fresh back from. I can almost smell Switzerland on you. Um, what, what was there? What's going on? What's the, what's the big stories there? Yeah, I was there yesterday and phenomenal stuff. Really, the one thing to speak about has to be the electric hypercars that are now coming. And um, there's, there was two notably. One is called Prinifarina Batista. The other one, the Rimac. Both actually have the same uh, chassis done by Rimac. And it's 1,900 horsepower. Acceleration, zero to 60 mile an hour, 1.9 seconds. <laughs> like, it will literally like almost knock you out, I think, with that acceleration. It's real yeah? back to the future stuff, isn't it? I mean, it's it is amazing. But I mean, I, I, I look, I've driven loads of electric cars. Uh, I, the acceleration is unbelievable. It's, it's ridiculous. The torque is unbelievable. But they don't make the grunt. They don't make, they're not, you know, the soundtrack's not as good. And I, I still don't know where I am with this. I'm quite conflicted. Are you? Um, no, I'm not conflicted anymore. I understand that the sound is a negative, 
But I promise you, if you join me on a ride with this 1.9 second acceleration, I will convert you instantly and you will never ever think about any kind of sound uh, missing or anything. How does that compare to a Formula One car? Well, that's the point. So my, in F1, I used to accelerate off the start in 2.6 seconds. Yeah, that was sl- the best, slow coach. Yeah. That was the best I ever managed to do, yeah? <laughs> and now there's these road cars that do 1.9. Yeah. So it's just complete madness. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. The best entertainment all in one place on Virgin Radio. All right, with us now, all this Formula One action is hungry work, so it's the perfect excuse to celebrate Shrove Tuesday with pancakes and an F1 crazy guy. Back to spoilers with his special crepe Suzette recipe, uh, James Martins here. Good morning, James. How are you doing? Very you right? well. Very well. Very good. So, so you're here physically. You're here, but your heart and your brain, perhaps, it's about three a.m. I've got no idea what's going you're on. You're in the Maldives. Yeah, still. <laughs> look at that tan. Look yeah. at that tan. Basos. You were here how many days ago? Maybe a couple of weeks ago. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. 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 Since then, you since have then, a, you have a significant tan. Yes. Yeah, since yeah. then, I have been working though while I've been out there. Yeah, so yeah. He wouldn't, look, he wouldn't look out of place on the Dorals, would he? No. <laughs> now you know we've had our, our, our quiz show 50-50 moments, haven't we? <laughs> You? Well, I got invited onto a certain quiz show, you know, the millionaire thing, and I'm thinking, you know, I know a little bit, not 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 as much as a mate of mine. So I, I phoned up so-called mate of mine and said, you know, if I get... An, I don't know very little about music or anything like that. And I said, well, general knowledge in music, it's got to be Mr Evans. He, he knows... Yeah. You know, he's got plenty yeah. of time off once he's finished the radio thing to read <laughs> and all that stuff. I don't read. Too busy in the kitchen. I'll get my mate along. Seriously, we were in the chair for about 30 seconds. <laughs> Uh, and it cost us. It cost me. I had to. It cost me for going. That was it. Because I promised this charity that we would get them uh, two uh, go karts uh, to raise money for two go karts that people with uh, lost arms and, and legs and that could go racing for go karts and stuff like that. So we promised them that, and um, we didn't raise enough money for that. We didn't raise anything. How many I know we didn't. Because did we why didn't we? <laughs> I think we got to two questions, and I said a red witch was something that it wasn't. <laughs> It was Red Witch, wasn't it? Uh, you you got it wrong. I don't know, Can't but remember. yeah. But it was very enjoyable. I mean, I liked it. I had a good time. And here's the point. Here's because the, the bit of the story you're not telling James is right. the most important part of the story. What's that? Which is where you you met your partner oh, there, yeah. who you're yeah, still yeah. with. Oh yeah, exactly. Louise. Yeah. So so you did. I mean, come on. Yes, thank you. There Chris. was a reason to go. Thank you, Chris. You won. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I won. All <laughs> uh, right, so, so you're here for Shrove Tuesday. Thank you, thank you. Um, That's all right, pleasure. Okay, you you have a recipe for pancakes or crepe Suzette in James Martin's French Adventure. It was out in 2017. Um, what, what do you go for? What do you go for with a pancake? Pancake. Well, I've got some. I've got a little bit of lemon curd, mm. some really really nice lemon curd or orange curd because uh, I like the little sharpness. And then I love maple syrup, so I, I'm going to just uh, do you one with just lemon and maple syrup. Over the top. It's got to be sugar. It's got to be lemon. But but with maple syrup on it, it's amazing. Now you brought Sam with you. Sam Sam, who's a genius. She, she's she, she's brilliant. She's she does everything. Yeah. She's currently in our kitchen here on the 14th floor of the news tower. She is. And I think we've I think we've got a microphone link and it's like a proper radio show. It's unbelievable. We've got a remote mic over there as well. All <laughs> uh, right. So I know who's in the kitchen. It's Mr. James Martin. He's live in our kitchen here on the 14th floor of the news building. Come in, James. Hello, mate. Uh, yeah, I'm in the kitchen. <laughs> I'm, I'm, to be honest with you. 
Forget this pancake day. The pile of bacon that's behind me, I'm having that. I'm just having a bacon sandwich. Have you seen this cafe in here? It's amazing, isn't it? So what can you see? What's going on? What is your... What can I see? Uh, we've already got a queue of people waiting. They think, think I'm cooking for them. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, we advertised it all week. They've paid like a fortune. Yeah, I like this. And you make, I love this little, little red rope barrier that you've got off. Who do you think is coming here? Uh, well, um, you, you. You. Yes. And by the way, the, the, we've told them all you're doing a talk for an hour afterwards. Oh, thanks very much. Cheers, cheers. Chris. I love you. Yeah, cheers. Uh, so, yeah, I'm actually cooking pancakes. We're going to do, uh, well, I've got a batter here that I've made with eggs, uh, flour and full fat milk that I told you about. Yeah. Uh, get the pan nice and hot. Um, plenty of butter. I'm trying to get this pan nice and hot. I think it is. Um, but use butter as well. No oil. Uh, butter goes in the pan. We stir it around in the pan. Do you mm. think this cooking thing's going to catch on a radio, do you? Yeah, I, I like it. I like it. Do you? I know you like it because it frees you up for about three or four minutes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we're just going to basically pop the batter in. Get it nice and thin and then leave it. The key to that is leave it, get the pan nice and hot. Uh, try not to fiddle around with it too much. Just leave it alone and um, I'm just going to turn it over. I'm not going to do that fancy flipping thing. And then we're going to basically uh, take some really nice organic uh, lemon curd. Right. And I'm going to smother the lemon curd oh. over the, uh, the pancake like that. And then we're going to fold this over and then I'm going to bring it in with some mm. fresh fruit and some maple syrup. Oh, oh dear. Right, and again, is, is Sam going to make a load more for us? Sam, are you going to make a load more? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, come back, um, James, come back. I'm coming back. Say that again on the radio. We had a queue. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to go back there and finish up. Sam might never come back. <laughs> so they serve him pancakes in the canteen for Shrove Tuesday. Well, they aren't now. They are now. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose we should put James's recipe on the website somewhere, shouldn't we? But that's the crepe way, isn't it? Well, I think so, yeah. So you've got two, whichever ones you want. You've got uh, crepe suzette. Simple. Uh, once you've made the pancakes, clean the pan out. Uh, sugar goes in the pan. Caster sugar, allow it to caramelise, and then you flame it with uh, a little bit of orange liqueur, a touch of brandy, and then a little bit of butter and some orange juice, lemon juice. Right. Uh, orange juice, classically. And then the rind of uh, orange candied, and then some orange segments. And then this one is one of my favourites. This has just got orange, uh, lemon curd on it with maple syrup over it. So this is more crepes. Exactly. This is very classy, isn't it? This isn't your base, basic round-the-kitchen-table pancake. Well, I, I did this one for your crew because and they, they, I went basic for you oh that's awesome <laughs> you know that only a little blob of ice cream on top well I said but you know right. yeah. no, nice though. come on let's have a go but also that. don't forget the pancakes you can put there's sweat savoury as well Oh, so you could put bacon in it if you want to be really fancy and you get some of that um, you get some of that creme anglaise that you buy already done from the supermarket that custard mm. um, already the fresh egg custard oh. and if you mix that together with whipped egg whites <laughs> oh James that's ace go on carry on if you mix together with whipped egg whites put it inside there and then bake them in the oven you've got pancake souffle and they taste amazing pancake souffle pancake souffle Right, right, write this down, everybody. Okay, your <laughs> kids custard. will love it. If your kids hate you, oh, this, is, me, this, this, is this is your way back into their heart. Yeah. Fresh custard fresh and custard. either lemon zest lemon or zest. orange zest in the custard. So right. that's flavoured. Right, and then you whip up some egg whites, mm -hmm. and for about four tablespoons of custard, you right. need whip up one egg white. Right, um, whip it up and fold it together, and put that. Just fold the pancake over over half, yeah. but put the filling that souffle mixture inside the pancake. Fold it over and bake it in the oven for about eight to ten minutes. Have you minutes. done this on the telly? This one? No. You've got to do that on the telly. Okay. When are you recording your next TV show? Uh, about a week's time. So Please do that. All right, I'll do it again. I'll come and help you if you want. Uh, or I'll promise not to help you, as long as you do it. Yeah, well, I've seen you, <laughs> seen you cook before. <laughs> Harsh, but fair. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Oh. If you look in the papers today, there's a big advert there for Rumfest Run. It's our brand new running festival. And here we have a team captain, Steve Cramming, Colin Jackson with us. Good morning, Carl. All right, good morning. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. What a better way to celebrate International Ladies' Day. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We're pleased to be here. But of course, you are up against two guys. You're up against Paula Radcliffe. Uh, four teams that run Fest Run. Everybody that comes will be in a team if you want to be. And uh, Mrs. Evans. Tell you what we're going to do today. Come on. Because Run Fest Run. Yeah. Is about having a lot of fun around running. Uh-huh. And we have got two treadmills in here, which are not traditionally associated with fun. I grant you this. But, uh, but, but we are going to make sure that yeah. we play on those treadmills, play with a capital pl. We're going to see how fast they go and how far We're coffee We're going to see cups... how fast the treadmill can go. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. Oh, really? But well, have yeah, you ever yeah. turned one up to full? Because I haven't. I've been on thousands. Have you ever got it off one? And have turned you got it... one of the fastest yeah, men in the world? Yeah, but is he used... faster than a treadmill? Can yeah, he yeah, yeah, yeah. We can outrun a treadmill. Uh, really? Yeah, have you done this before, Colin Jackson? We'll be all good. Trust Colin, me. before today, what has been your running highlight of your whole life? If you could just pick one moment, apart other than today, because obviously today will eclipse all. Okay, I'll be honest. Um, running a 19-mile event. Yes, I know Steve is looking at me going, you've run 19 <laughs> miles. Stevie, I have 19 miles. For somebody Why? in the North Because Brendan asked me. Uh, so Brendan Fosme asked me to run around the whole bits and bobs of Westminster. Why That's 19 I miles? I have no idea. I have no idea. It sounds like the frothy coffee man yeah. trying to finish yeah, a marathon. It's a, it's you should like, team up with him. Yeah. All right, Steve. Your finest, your most, if you could pick one moment, literally one moment, you know, uh, you, you are no longer of this mortal coil. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're there at your eulogy and and somebody said, Steve said to me that his finest moment was this. Which would it be? Are you, are, be are you being serious or can I be like Colin? It's up to you. I don't mind. Okay, I tell you, I, do you know, <laughs> th- this, this was a moment, and, and Vasso saluted, the Comrades Marathon, which is a 55-mile event, it's 33 oh. miles when Where I, th- I oh, had... South Africa. South Africa, South Africa. and I had partially torn a ligament in my knee right. going to the loo. Uh, don't ask. Okay, don't ask. Well, I've got it. And I came back to join my friend <laughs> to tell him that I could no longer carry on because there was another 22 miles ago and I was limping and I was in a lot of pain and a young lady next to him said, is this the Olympic athlete you were telling me about? Oh, Because he'd been, while I'd been, he'd been telling her that he was running with the famous Steve Cram. <laughs> she didn't have a clue who Steve Cram was, of course. And so I hobbled for 22 <laughs> miles because of pride. Okay, because of because I didn't want the lady to think that I wasn't a stand-up Olympic so, athlete. So you were the yes. Olympic athlete? I would, oh, hey, come on. Hey, that was there to be had, wasn't it? See what you did. So, um, on, so this jacket that, uh, that Steve's got on, it says Steve Cram Running Camps, and he yep. gave me one a couple of weeks ago when he was in. Yep. Um, I was at a park run recently wearing your, your jacket, and somebody said... <laughs> Are you Steve Cram? <laughs> somebody said, Steve, can I have, oh, your, oh, can I have your autograph? Oh, oh, okay, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. And what did you do? I gave... Oh, I, I, I signed Steve Cram. You got into that. Oh, you have no. to do that. I think I signed Crammy Kiss. 
Ah, oh, lovely. <laughs> That's cool, isn't it? So this morning we're going to have some fun now. Mrs Evans has arrived during this conversation and uh, the frothy coffee man has his head coach with him, uh, Walt, who's five and a half months old. Uh, that, that's nice. Uh, little Boo's here too. Uh, so run, fest run. When is it? Where is it? What can people do today to be there, Vassos, please? It is, uh, it's a running festival. We've not done this before. It's a running festival, but it's a lot more than that. It takes place from the 31st of May to the 2nd of June. It's at Bowwood House and Gardens in Wilton. Um, so there's there's Colin and Steve, Paula Radcliffe will be there, loads more people. We'll have top bands, we'll have live DJs, we'll have family fun, we'll have inspiring talks, and of course, we will have glorious, glorious running. And you can sign up today. You can sign up today for priority tickets at runfestrun.co.uk. Uh, well, we're not going to overcomplicate this. It can't get simpler than an egg and spoon race. Back to Vassos and Steve Cram. What's going on, Vass? So we were going to try and accommodate you with a 1K thrash, but this treadmill only goes up to 12 kilometres an hour. And the other one goes to sort of 18, 19, Andy Bradley. Yeah, we don't doing... believe any yes. of your excuses. Get on with your egg and spoon so, race. Uh, Steve, are you OK to commentate on this? I am, yes. You are I'll try the and man. do... More than one thing. So oh, you're going to you're going to commentate on your own egg and spoon race. I am. I I'm already it. behind. Oh, he it. was uh, he was on great form last week. There were some British athletes, and there was two Norwegian <laughs> brothers called Inga Britsons, and he had the, the Brits against the Inga Brits. I well, did. this is Cram against Alexander in an egg and spoon race. How come your treadmill is already going quicker? And I'm pressing the oh, same button. Oh, my egg's wobbling already. Steve yeah, Cram. Okay, so no, here have we you go. started? Is this it? We've started got a minute running, and I'm a bit worried about going any faster because my egg is all over the shop. Right, I need to get a little bit of balance here between the speed versus my egg staying on the spoon. Vassos seems to be going for the oh my egg goodness, high up ahead of him. <laughs> this is brilliant fun. And oh, 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 oh we have a good Oh my god, he pants are coming down as well. Okay, Crammy's lost his egg. Um, it's right, it's gone go. straight into the workings oh. of the treadmill. This is not good, is it? At all? No, it's not. Scrambled eggs this morning. Oh, no, there goes another okay. one. I'm still going. Vassos is off the treadmill. It's, I'm still here. His head is His egg has hit the, the back wall. Line. Not on. a contest. Vassos, what happened to you? Right, where are we distance-wise? Uh, I've done. I've no idea. Tell me, someone explain to you. I've done 120 miles. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's leave it there. Run, fest, run. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. The best entertainment all in one place. On Virgin Radio. In the age of social media, we can all be our own worst critic. But one woman is saying enough is enough. It's time to self-love. Embracing the good, the bad and the ugly with her new book, Happily Imperfect. It's loose women panellist and queen of the jungle, Stacey Solomon. Oi, oi. Oh, my goodness. That How are you, like Stacey? A movie trailer. He's good. <laughs> He's so good. I know. What a voice. What a guy. He's just got back from Cape Town. Oh, I know. We were chatting in the lift on the way up. Were you? Yeah. Nothing like that, though. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> like what? I don't know. It sounded really weird when I said it. <laughs> Only in your head. You're allowed to chat in the lift to people. It's fine. We, we thoroughly encourage you. Yeah. Right, Dave. Um, Rachel loves you. Um, oh. Ellie loves you. We love you anyway. But the, the women on the show, around the show, they really, really hold you up on, you know, high esteem they really hold you up on a perch there tell us why first of all Rachel because you're really honest Oh, you just kind of tell it like it is. Your your no filter selfies on Instagram are just honest, and that was something that really seemed to come after that article in Now Magazine. Tell yeah. us a bit about that. Um, so there was an article in Now Magazine 
But prior to that, there was an article in The Sun where they spoke about how saggy my boobs were <laughs> for quite some time on a page. And, yeah, I just started seeing all of the these narratives in different areas of the press where I just felt like, why are women constantly dragged down and told they're not good enough? It is really miserable, it's insulting and it's tiring because we have to constantly sort of remind ourselves, actually, who cares what you think? I look completely normal. This is what I'm supposed to look like, but it's not good enough. So, yeah, I guess I just thought I'm done with that narrative and I don't want to be a part of it. Now, you're here to talk about your book, Happily Imperfect, and it's kind of had a, I've had a look through it. I'm looking forward to getting stuck into it on the tube on the way home, but it's a bit of an autobiography. It's words of advice. It's family recipes. What inspired you? I think um, what inspired me was... There are so many how-tos out there, you know, like how to be a good mum, how to be a great friend, how to fall in love. And I just felt like doing the complete blooming opposite and being like... How to chat to people in the lift. (laughs) Exactly. There is a how-to for everything. So this is the opposite of that. It's kind of like whatever you're doing is okay. As long as your intentions are good, who blooming well cares? And and enjoy yourself. There's We think far too much and put far too much pressure on ourselves these days. Now, you do a lot on Instagram and we had uh, Giovanna Fletcher in earlier this week talking about when she posts on Instagram because you both put on lots of stuff about your work but you also include a lot of stuff about your family. Yes. So she said, I was asking her, how do you know what to put on? Do you ever question what you've put on? Is it right to put this on? And she said if she ever thinks she ever has a question in her mind, she doesn't post. What are your filters for that? My filters are generally, my children are older so I'll ask them. So I'll show them a photo if there's a family photo of us and I'll say, oh, is it right if I post this? And they'll say yes or no. So I actually get their permission in a way before I post anything about them. And I guess for me, the filter would be, I mean, I just wouldn't ever post anything inappropriate. Um, But there's not much of a filter because it is just my everyday life. That's what Instagram was to me when I signed up to it and when I decided to be on the platform. It was kind of just an honest look in. It wasn't anything other than that. So it wasn't about the face tuning and and all those apps that people use to improve their pictures. Do you use those? No, I've never airbrushed my pictures or face tuned anything. Firstly, because I'm rubbish at technology, so it would take a masterclass for me to learn how. Can I just ask, what the heck is face tuning? <laughs> exactly. What is that? It's basically it's like... this app where you can smooth your skin out, get rid of any wrinkles, add makeup. You can even add lashes and stuff now, like change the size of your features. It's so <laughs> insane. I've watched people doing it, and it's like watching CGI in action. I've never seen anything so, like and why, it. So why would you do that? Obviously <laughs> to make yourself look better, but then when you people meet you in the flesh they can only be let down so i would make myself look worse so they'd be surprised if they met me hence my theory of life chris yes. <laughs> yeah under promise over deliver yes, exactly. that's the thing isn't it now something that i really love in your book is you have sat down and you've written a letter to yourself at the age of 14 so you're yes. now you're 29 yes and you've written to yourself at 14 and i read it and it gave me proper goosebumps you said actually could you read it read yeah. that out. read that paragraph because okay. i think that's really important I know you're a happy-go-lucky 14-year-old and you think you know best. We all do at your age. But Stacey, you need to grow up and fast because your break is coming, your stars will align and you'll make it. Keep loving your son, yep, your son, and know that whatever anyone says, you're worth so much and you are loved. Do you think that's something you would recommend people do? Sit down and write a letter to your teenage self. Did it inspire any thoughts in you? It did. A lot of it was silly. So if you start from the beginning, a lot of it was like sort of the silly stuff that I would have told myself. But deep down there are loads of feelings I felt when I was a teenager about not being enough not being worth anything probably 
almost like everything happened by accident because how could I possibly achieve these things? And I think sometimes it's nice to check in with that child because you will still carry some of those feelings through your adult life and actually you can let them go because you are enough. You are where you are because you deserve it. Thank you very much for coming Thank to the show, Very well done, Stacey. Well done, Rachel. Thank Thanks you very, very much. much. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Good morning. It's Virgin Radio. This is the best of the breakfast show with Sky. Uh, he's one of the most influential doctors in the UK and this is all true, changing the way we look at health. Here to help us stop burning the candle at both ends or at least if we are to try and survive it uh, with tips from his new book, The Stress Solution. It is Dr. Rongan Chatterjee. Good morning, Rongan. Morning, Chris. Thanks uh, for having me on. How, how are you? Yeah, I'm really good. Thank very, you. Very Delighted well. to be here. You are Mr. Stress. How many books so far and counting? Uh, it's the second book. Second book. Okay, okay. The Stress Solution, the four steps to reset your body, mind, relationships and purpose. Now, there have been many, many books about these very subjects over the last, say, 50 years. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yours has really sort of caught light. How come? Well, I think what I've tried to do is set out the problem that exists, and I think we all recognise that stress is something that affects pretty much all of us these days. Yeah. But I think what I certainly hope what I've done in this book is provide simple, accessible solutions that pretty much everyone can do. You know, about 80% of what I see as a doctor is in some way related to stress. And people, I think, don't quite realise how prevalent it is. So, you know, I see everyday things like low mood, anxiety, insomnia, inability to concentrate, even things like gut problems like irritable bowel syndrome. All of these almost describing you word for word there, Vassal. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. But, it, but it's that prevalent. <laughs> and and I, don't, I, I don't think we realise that stress has physical changes on our body. And yeah. so what I really try to do is say, guys, it's not as hard as we think it is. Here are some simple solutions that we can all do. So, so when we feel something, whether it's an emotion or you know, it's a reaction or a reflex action, that changes the biochemistry in our body instantly, doesn't it? Our biochemistry changes like a million times a minute or something stupid yeah, like that. Yeah, you, you're spot on, Chris. And it's, I think the things to understand about stress is, you know, you go about two million years ago when our stress response was evolving, right? We're in hunter-gatherer tribes together. Yeah. You know, the predator's trying to attack us. Suddenly, we're trying to escape. We go into fight or flight. That's our stress response being activated. So a series of changes occur in your body which helps you escape. So those are brilliant in the short term. So If they've got a job. Exactly. But the problem is now is that our stress response for many of us has not been activated by predators. It's been activated by our daily lives, you know, email inboxes, social media channels, competing demands at work, you know, two parents working, trying to get back to pick the kids up and take them, you know, to, to an, an after school event. Elderly parents we might be looking after. For many of us, that's activating our stress response in the same way. And so the things that happen, so let's say you're running away from a tiger, what happens? Your blood sugar goes up. It's going to help you run faster. It's going to help more oxygen get to your brain. That's great in the short term. If that's happening day in, day out to your job, well, that raised blood sugar is going to cause weight gain. It's going to cause high blood pressure. It's ultimately going to cause type 2 diabetes just from being stressed. Many of us these days, we're so busy doing what we need to do, we forget about the other things that we love to do. And, you know, regularly doing things that you love makes you more resilient to stress. So I had a patient a few weeks ago, what was he, 48-year-old chap. He was the CEO of a company, right, comes in to see me saying, you know, I think I'm coming down with depression. I feel low, poor self-esteem. I can't really motivate myself to do stuff. And, you know, I got to speak to him, did some blood tests. The more I got to know him, the more I realised I actually didn't do anything that he loved. So I said to him, you know, I said, how's your relationship with your wife? He said, yeah, so-so. I said, do you do anything that you love? He goes, no, I don't really have time. You know, I'm busy at work. Um, I said, do you enjoy your job? Not really. Pays the bills, pays the mortgage. 
Um, and I said, what about weekends? He said, I'm just busy taking the kids around, so I don't get any time for myself. And I said, okay, what hobbies did you used to have? He said, well, when I was a kid, I used to have a train set. I said, have you got one? And he said, yeah. <laughs> Actually, he said, I've got it, I've got it in the attic. Yeah, he does. And he's got it in the I said, he's got it in his attic. I said, look, do me a favor, when you get home tonight, get it out of your attic and just start playing with it. Brilliant. Right? And he does that. He goes away, and I don't see him for three months. And then uh, three months later, I bump into his wife in the surgery car park. And I said, How's he getting on? He said, Dr. Chelsea, I can't believe the difference. I feel like I got my husband back. He's every night he comes back from work, he's on eBay looking for collector's items <laughs> for his train set, and he's tweaking away and he's playing with it at the weekends. And then I saw him six months later at a wellman check. I said, How are you doing? And he said, It's completely changed my life. I, I love my train set. And by playing with that regularly, I now enjoy my job. I'm close to my wife. I feel I get more of out of my relationship with my kids. And so I want to say to people, you know, everyone listening to this, when was the last time you did something that you absolutely loved? And it could just be five minutes a day, you know, reading a book, listening to music, watching your favorite comedian on YouTube. It doesn't really matter. But a daily dose of passion, I think, is as important as the food we put on our plates. Yeah, and depression and anxiety can't exist when there's joy and passion because they douse that fire. They, in fact, they, they, yeah. they obliterate it, don't they? Absolutely. So the Hornby effect. <laughs> Absolutely. No wonder his wife's happy. <laughs> I've got this concept um, in the book called micro stress doses, right? So I think it's a great way for people to understand this. So we've all got a personal stress threshold, right? And it'll be different for all of us. And every day we're exposed to little hits of stress, what I call micro stress doses. And a micro stress dose is something that in isolation doesn't do much. We can handle it. But when you add them on top of one another, they get closer and closer to your threshold. And when you're at your threshold, that's when things start to go wrong. That's when you overreact. That's when you get annoyed at that innocent email from your work colleague. That's when you actually blow up because we've reached our thresholds. And, you know, the, the typical person today, I would say, is let's say your job is so stressful. You come back in the evening. You don't want to go to bed. You just want to chill out. So you stay up super late watching Netflix or Sky, I should say. You watch it super late, right? <laughs> So you go to bed late, your alarm goes off at 6.30 in the morning because you have to get up for work. So you're in a deep sleep, your alarm pings at 6.30, that's micro stress dose number one because it's taking you out of a deep sleep. You think, ah, you know what, I'm still a bit tired, put it on snooze. Six minutes later, it goes off again, micro stress dose number two. Then you think, you know what, I'd better get up. You pick your phone up, I've quit look at my emails. Ah, oh, damn, there's four work emails from yesterday I didn't do. And then you get a notification from the, the gas company saying, your, your gas bill... Is, so is life cheap. is coming on you straight away. Yeah, so the away. point is, is that you yeah. basically, many of us are, we've hit, and I make this case that for many of us, we leave the house having been exposed to 10 or 15 micro stress doses, which means we're not far off from our threshold, which means it doesn't take much in the day to tip us over. So there's some really simple things that people can do to actually reduce you know, how many micro stress doses they get exposed to. So, you know, a commute, obviously we're in London at the moment, if people are commuting, on the tube or on a train, on a bus, you know, how can you change that commute? So instead of it being stressy, can you put your headphones in and listen to music, right? Can you listen to an inspiring podcast? Can you do 10 minutes on a, a meditation app like Calm? Can you, you know, repurpose that time so it's a bit less stressy? Big one is having a tech-free lunch break. You know, it's so, you know, if people work in offices and they're in front of computers all day, one of the worst things I think they can do is on their lunch break, pick up the phone, try and get ahead, check social media. And the reason is, is when we switch off from focusing on a task, right? we used to think our brain would go to sleep, but there's a part of your brain called the default mode network that goes into overdrive when you switch off. And that's the part that helps you solve problems and be creative, right? That's why people get their best ideas 
in the shower yeah. or when they go for a walk. Especially if it's cold shower. Yeah, but uh, it's because you switched off, right? And so, true. And your brain tries to solve it. the problems for you. So people think now, I'm too busy to take time off lunch. I'm going to keep working through. But actually, then the science shows you're way more productive when you completely switched busy off. Busy doing nothing. Busy, busy doing, nothing. doing nothing. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. The best entertainment all in one place on Virgin Radio. We've got another guest here now. We love having the guests on the show. Love the guests. Okay, who's next up, Dave? We've seen her jump from Hollyoaks to Hollywood, picking up her first Oscar gong last year. Here to tell us about joining the second series of BBC Two's hit double glazing comedy White Gold, playing the fierce businesswoman Joe Scott. It's the marvelous Rachel Shenton. Marvelous. <laughs> Hello, Rachel. <laughs> Hello, how are you, you doing? Me. So Rachel, before we go into White Gold, which I, I watched this morning before we came on there, which is very, very funny. And I don't find many sitcoms funny on the telly uh, nowadays because they're not, basically. But yours is properly funny. Oh, and it's quite you. awkward as well to watch, which I quite like. <laughs> this is why it's funny. Yes, yeah, thank you, you very feel, much. You just feel quite nervous. You go, oh God, should I be laughing at this? And, um, and then you do. Of course you do. That's it, isn't it? Before we get into that though, what about this blimmin' Oscar? I know. What the, how did, excuse me, how did you win an Oscar? Isn't it bonkers? Um, I've no idea. <laughs> um, uh, I wrote a short film um, about yeah a couple of years ago uh, called The Silent Child, which was based on a profoundly deaf little girl called Libby right. who was born to hearing parents. Um, and it's her struggles with communication and accessing education and things like that, um, which is very close to me. My dad was profoundly deaf. So wrote the short film, my husband directed it, and we won an Oscar. I know, <laughs> I mean, obviously it's true because like we know that. it's true because we've seen the pictures and things <laughs> and you, you don't seem like a liar. Uh, but um, but when, when, when did you start rising? Was it in the garden shed? How did it go? It was in a it... bedroom. So, yeah. you, so you said, let's do this thing. So you, you wrote it yourself. Okay. Yeah, I was feeling very spirited about like, uh, you know, access to education and the attainment levels between deaf children and, and hearing children, which is shocking and so avoidable. Um, and there's a lot of ignorance around deafness, and you know, because ultimately it, it, it's something that doesn't kill you, you can't see it, and so it's really hard to get attention for it. So I just called Chris and said, I've got an idea for a film. Um, and he said, write it. And I'd never written anything before, and I just thought, well, if it's really rubbish, you can just delete it, nobody will ever know. Um, and we did all right. So you did more than right. You want to blame an Oscar? <laughs> Got to watch this. Okay. And so your dad uh, lost his hearing um, towards the end of his life. Is that correct? Yeah, he lived the last two years of his life profoundly deaf. He lost um, his hearing overnight through chemotherapy for throat cancer, um, which is just a side effect that might happen. You know, you get given this whole list of things that could could happen, and and it just did. And um, I'd seen my dad recover from cancer and be strong about it and gallant and great and then when he lost his hearing I think that was the first time I saw him as a human being and he you know he was vulnerable and suddenly withdrew from social situations and and things that I took for granted suddenly became difficult so that that was the whole impetus behind you the movie. sign language so you I, I can I'm fluent in sign language you can yeah. say fluent that's a phrase fluent in sign language yes it? yes okay. and what's interesting about the, your story is the story you wrote is you you reverse your roles because you did it from a child's point of view as opposed to an adult's point yeah, of view yeah absolutely absolutely because I consider my dad very lucky because he had a voice because he'd, he'd learned you know he could hear so he developed a voice he could lip read and I still consider him very very lucky but it just gets you thinking that if you were born that way and you yeah. could never hear you never had the chance to develop a voice and when you read the stats lots are supplied by the National Deaf Children's Society which I'm proudly ambassador of it's just shocking the limitations that are put on a deaf child and for no other reason that like it's just one sense that isn't working and it's not a learning difficulty mm. you know with the right support they can do exactly the same as a hearing child that just shocks me 
that the attainment levels are so um, there's such a huge departure. So, yeah, I feel. Can we do anything to help that? Can you mention it? Do you anything you want to mention on the air that people can help? Actually, with? the NDCS right now. I'm very proud that um, I'm judge of this awesome competition. So, if you're a deaf child between the age of seven and eleven, or you're a parent of a deaf child between the ages of seven and eleven, go to the NDCS.com, and all the information is on there. And we're encouraging deaf children to write stories. Oh. Be that about anything, any genre, whatever you want, horror, you know, crime, whatever you feel, whatever you floats your boat. <laughs> write your story, send it in, and you could get your story published. Oh, so if you know of a deaf child, what's yeah. that? What's that address again? It's www.ndcs.com. Okay. And all the, all the information's on it's there. Actually, I think it's .org.uk, but we'll sort it out in a minute. Uh, so, Rachel, White Gold <laughs> Series 2, Episode 1. For people who don't know what it's about, why don't you tell them? Um, White Gold's a comedy set in the 1980s in Essex, in a double glazing sales, uh, sales room called Cache uh, Windows and Doors. <laughs> <laughs> Which is it's fa- it's so funny. Because, I mean, I was around, I remember it. I remember it. That was the thing. Because it was the whole... Ca- you buy your council house, and what do you do next? Yeah, you, put, you do the windows and you do it up. <laughs> you put crazy paving in the drive, you get rid of all anything natural at all <laughs> and you start double glazing everything even if you live in the middle of the woods um, because the salesman used to go around and convince you about this so what have you learned about double glazing tell us <laughs> then it's ruthless and unscrupulous and there's so many there's so many dodgy dealings and underhand things going on and I think it's just like a quest for money and power from the sales team but it's a funny thing to pick on isn't it it's a funny thing to pick on as comedy because you think okay how many people get these cultural references how many people are going to watch this who weren't even born at the time who may think we're making double glazing up <laughs> i don't know if it matters though because i wasn't around at the time no, it doesn't matter at all <laughs> it's so brave though. It. yeah 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 it is uh, so you your co-stars your cast give those guys a shout out because they're all very, they're all very good aren't they they're absolutely brilliant all of them they're, so you know there's there's obviously uh joe thomas and james buckley from the in-betweeners ed westwick uh lauren o'rourke was also in the in-betweeners and Lindsay cocker who's brilliant as well and the cast are all fantastic sounds like it might be one of those casts where you can have a bit of fun off screen as well as on screen it's honestly one of the best shows i've ever worked on it really is i think i think the director really sets the tone of the set and he damon is just so great he's so relaxed he's so chilled and it's sort of impossible not to have a good time really i remember on my first day you went um you having a good time I don't mind about the work so much as long as you're having a good time. Yeah. Which is all that matters <laughs> Which in a way. Because you're going to spend so long together. Yeah. And yeah. Um, last year, it was the most downloaded uh, I play comedy behind Carshare. And that's not a bad show to be slightly behind, is no, it? No, absolutely not. Right. No. So, where are you going next? Uh, I'm off to this morning next with Holly and Phil. Okay, so you got the dream team. Yes. Do you check who's on before you agree to be on this morning? Because it's like it's like getting a knighthood and then finding it's not the Queen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, well, okay, I'll go Prince William, but after that, I'm not interested, frankly. You can have it back. <laughs> well, I love this morning, but I was very happy it was Holly and yeah, Phil. Right. Can you give them our love? <laughs> I will do. All right, Rachel. Rachel Shenton, White Gold, Oscar winner. Come on, round of applause. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. I tell you what, I've known our sports guest this morning for years. He's a good friend of mine for the past. 14 of those years he has been the voice of Formula One and he does that brilliantly on Sky Sports. He is cracking commentator David Croft. Crofty! Morning, David. Good morning. morning! Hello! The voice of F1, I love it. How are you? Can I say lights out? You can do anything you want, mate. And away we go. Yeah, let's go, <laughs> Chris. And Laura Bradley's here as well. Hello. Uh, hello, Laura. Thank you for coming in. No problem. And you are part of the Formula One world as well, of course. I am. I am indeed. Yes, F1 experiences. We're the official provider of experiences for Formula One. So, so what, what kind of experience are we talking about? Because this is a relatively new thing. Isn't it? it is. Yes, exactly. So uh, Formula One um, have made a massive surcharge to ensure that fans get closer to the sport. 
And thanks to F1 Experiences, we're helping achieve that goal of getting people on the podium. Um, on in, the podium? Yeah, you get your photo taken on the podium. You get your photo taken with the trophy. Wow, that's impressive. You get some amazing behind the and scenes. And why the heck not? It's about time, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Why not? It's a good idea. Because, Crofty, we've been talking about this for years and years, haven't Absolutely. we? Absolutely. People should get closer to the sports that they love. Vassos, who knows everything about Formula One now, because he's done his research for, 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 for Melbourne, I think. Um, there it is. You know, <laughs> there it is on a piece of paper. You know, he, he can tell you that Formula One is full of many, many different subplots and wonderful experiences. But to walk down the pit lane and see these cars close up, look, Chris, you and I have done yeah. over many, many years. They are a thing of beauty. And people should get close to them. And let's face it, we're spending over a billion dollars a year in Formula One to make the blooming things. So people ought to get close mm. to them. It's when, they, it's when they all sort of gather in a pack, you know, and you, you have this herd of horsepower. And oh. when they're at full tilt... Yeah. You know, that's the thing. I'm a bit worried, though, about the first corner in Melbourne this year because we've only got two teams that have kept the same driver lineup, and there's a load of new drivers coming in, and I've got to try and identify 20 cars stampeding into the first corner. <laughs> yeah, but they've got to try and get around the corner. All you've got to do is say who's crashing. Yeah, but it's trying to spot who's crashed. Oh, well, my heart goes out to you, Crossy. <laughs> Honestly, Seriously. I'm, this is keeping me awake at night. <laughs> Trust me. But can you imagine how excited slash nervous those new drivers, those rookies, are going to be into that first corner? George Russell and Lando Norris could actually be lining up alongside each other the two British heroes for this year the new, new young boys uh, you don't win a championship at the first corner you, you can, can lose a championship <laughs> <laughs> we know that ok so, to finish first first you have to finish thank you very much Neil Crofty <laughs> we should do this together more often it's we quite should. fun I'm liking See, this we could be this we could do this kind of stuff on the radio what you and me dovetail oh yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that means he has to concentrate. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. So, Crofty, um, Chris. headlines this season. Come on, come right. on, get us hooked, come on. Headlines this season. Lewis Hamilton going for a sixth world title. Sebastian Vettel trying to stop him. Ferrari have had the fastest car for the last two years. They've not made the best use of it. Will that happen? In 2019, it might. Red Bull and Honda, can they get their act together? Will Max Verstappen finally grow up and stop upsetting people? George Russell and Lando Norris, the two rookies coming in. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen at Alfa Romeo, who used to be Sauber. Daniel Ricciardo at Renault, who used to be Renault. But Daniel Ricciardo now having to get used to a midfield battle, which is so tight and uh, so compact, you can't really split the teams. They're like a tenth of a second between three or four of them. 21 races, only one winner, live and exclusive on Sky F1. Uh, don't miss a thing. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio.